that's the way that we kind of get trapped in that romanticizing the life because it can, it's just the, it's just the slightly elevated version of our daily life, but making it look that elevated all the time is a lot of brain energy that we're putting into this. And it's like like, the idealistic thing that you're like, okay, is this, cause that's still your lunch. You still had the pool right there. That's not a Mm -hmm. lie, but this Mm -hmm. is like, oh, ideally if someone gets one glimpse, this is the glimpse that I want them to get. Cause this, yes looks the most put together or is the most like whatever kind of branding you're trying to do mm-hmm. like oh no this is what i what i'm aspiring to what everyone else yeah. will like more hi welcome to well said red with lillian depp we're two redheads bringing our chats to headphones near you talk soon and welcome back to another episode of well said red with lily and Devin. Lily, how are you? Um, I'm so sweaty right now, I will tell you. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> um, I am coming to you live from post-yoga. So I have not showered. I have not changed. It was a quick just from the studio to, to the, the studio. Table. To the studio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> from one studio to the next, which is how I prefer to live my life. The dedication is like extreme and i'm so impressed all of us at wellside red are so thankful that you are so dedicated <laughs> to recording even in sitting in your sweat <laughs> even in sitting in your own stench thank you yes. thank you <laughs> it's huge news. How is, uh, how's your day going hopefully you're less sweaty than i am um it's going well it's been a pretty mellow day um Went for a walk with Junie. She was a very happy girl. She let me sleep in this morning until 8 a.m. instead of 6. So The luxury. Yeah. Well, I mean, she woke me up at 6, but then I gave her a chew toy and then she slept until 8. So. Great. I mean, I've stopped doing alarms because she is my alarm pretty much at 6 a.m. But then at 8, I was shook. I was like, oh, my gosh, I slept in now and you slept. We're all sleeping in. So but that did (laughs) leave her with some extra energy. So we went on a little bit of a walk. Um, Had to run it out. Had to run it out a little. Yes. We're still getting used to the harness thing. So, Mm -hmm. you know. We're working on it. Oh, today outside the coffee shop. I tied her up outside to see how she'd do when I was getting a coffee. And um, she did great for all of about 15 seconds. And as I was literally grabbing the coffee and bringing it outside, I hear like a clanging. And I look and turn around and she has pulled the entire chair on its side and is running (laughs) off with it. Oh, and then got stuck dang. behind a planter and some gal gets out of the car and she's like your dog and i was like i know i'm sorry thank you oh my god <laughs> it's her first time <laughs> she's learning she's a baby <laughs> she literally just was like i could i'm gonna take off and then she was scared of the noise she made which is fair and accurate fair um, enough so you know maybe we won't be doing that quite so wow. soon but... what, a, what an experiment for good old yep. Junie b today we're always testing, you know, we're like, can you do this? Nope. Okay. Too early. Never mind. My bad. <laughs> Didn't mean to traumatize you. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. But other than that, it was a great day. Oh, it's good. a good day. Um, But I have no real segue, um, except that I was on my couch today and Lily and I were coming up today with topics for our podcast. <laughs> as We're we often do. Of prepared this it's <laughs> our Tuesday ritual. We will, quite frankly, never tell you that we are prepared because it would be a lie. It would be a lie. And that's yeah, okay. Yeah, truly. We accept our own mess. Um, but we were 
you know, pittering around with some ideas. And I thought maybe I had an original thought for once in my life, but it turns out that everybody else um, had already thought what I thought, but I've never heard it talked about on a podcast. So we're going to talk about it today. But as I was sitting there on the couch and Lily and I were chatting about some things, I was thinking about this whole romanticizing your life trend. And as a four, and as someone who's read a lot of books and who watches a lot of movies, I am probably the primed subject for romanticizing your life. Also someone who really enjoys aesthetically pleasing things and Mm -hmm. constantly thinks about curating her home all over the place, like, like a hundred different ways. Um, And Lily, I know you also have a creative brain and you're Mm -hmm. in, in the photography world and just like, you know how to aesthetically figure out yeah. like a composition of a photo certain right? colors certain things all that yeah and even your outfits very mm-hmm. creative choices going on there like there's always a creative expression happening so i feel like both of us are pretty primed for this subject right. matter today but we were thinking about it and we were like is the romanticize your life trend actually beneficial to mm-hmm. us is it going to help us <laughs> at all in our lives and our brains and our mental health um and We really do love social media, just to preface. We do love social media, but it is kind of the easiest target to target sometimes. And also it is something that is so prevalent that as a well-being podcast, we just feel like it's important to bring up the ways that maybe you should be thinking about the things that you're consuming constantly. Mm -hmm. So I wrote this tagline because I thought it was kind of hilarious, (laughs) but it might not totally go with what we have to say at the end of the at the it's end of the not podcast. very aesthetic, Devin. <laughs> it's not very aesthetic, but I said romanticizing your life is a sci-fi waiting to happen. <laughs> a sci-fi <laughs> horror waiting to happen. Basically, what are we doing as romanticizing our life? And are we going to have problems disassociating from reality because reality becomes too boring for us? Mm-hmm. And one of the questions that I thought we would start off with, Lily, is what counts as romanticizing your life? Like... Mm. Are there things that come up naturally to you when I ask that question? Like if there was something on Instagram or something that you do that you're like, oh, this is definitely a romanticizing my life moment, you know? Yeah. Okay. So remember when Instagram was all about the coffee shop aesthetic? Like not this zoomed in who knows what lens people are using on the iPhone to like make it look kind of retro. Like not that one, but like the OG say in like 2015 2016 coffee shop aesthetic that's what comes to mind when I think of it because that's when first of all I think we were all thinking we were all doing this we weren't thinking about it as far as keywords go um and you look down it's like oh my gosh this is so beautiful look at this cappuccino I have a book next to it there's probably a fresh bouquet of flowers on the table wow it's like it's like you have it all put together that's what comes up immediately and then if I sit with that and think about it for a little longer I also think about the stage of social media we're in right now how when we talked about this I think not even on the pod but just the other week when we were talking about branding and Mm -hmm. you're freelancing like what do you do in the personal brand I'm in media what does it look like on social media and it's so there's that's a niche but then almost the more popular more up and coming niche is this like ah ha 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 we're so real we are the gen z who like are just being candid and we're posting 18 times a day ha 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 and what you don't maybe remember all the time is the face tune that has still gone into those photos the waist trimming that is still in these photos like 
the curation that is still happening, even though it is very totally. different than, shall we say, the photographers who took over Instagram in 2012. Yes. And so that's kind of what I'm like, okay, there are two different angles. I don't really, I don't resonate with the new kind because I'm like, why would I obsess over this like 16 year old's life? I feel like that's weird and frankly inappropriate. <laughs> Probably a little, <laughs> but yeah. At the, and, at the, and at the same time, I look at the people whose aesthetic that I still really do love to follow and how they've had to adapt and adjust, but are still putting out aesthetics that they really prefer. Um, so it's not just the one size fits all anymore. Totally. But it is still very much that you are still telling a story that mm-hmm. is probably not exactly how the day went. That's right. kind of, shall we call out um, what people are doing? And I, and I say that, and we're the same way. Like we talked totally. weeks ago about how social media doesn't need to see a picture of you crying. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. need to see those things. It doesn't need that feel so long, inclined. long caption of no, your process mentally. You don't owe anyone anything. No. But at the same time, often you're painting a picture. You are telling a story and it is very rarely in real time, which I'm like, I don't post in real time. I'm guilty no. of it consistently. No. Um, but it is very rarely time. 100% true if you were to ask the friend who was with you for the entirety of the day. Right. Well, and it's so funny to me too, because I think exactly as you're saying, like how much of what is being portrayed on social media is actually how the day went, you know? Right. Like I'm thinking about even just on stories, you know, on Instagram, like, okay, so I've place three stories on my Instagram for the day or something like that. Mm-hmm. How many, like how many times did I have to move my food around to make it look more aesthetically pleasing? I did it today with yep. my lunch. I first had an angle of my phone down with my feet and my food, like at my feet on my lap. And then I was like, meh, my socks don't look that good. So I think maybe I'm just going to put it up towards the pool. Cause the pool looks prettier. You know, it's like, you're mm-hmm. constantly kind of reaching for that better looking thing. And I think that's the way that we kind of get trapped in that romanticizing the life because right. it can, it's just the, it's just the slightly elevated version of our daily life, but making it look that elevated all the time is a lot of brain energy that we're putting into this. And right. it's like, like the idealistic thing that you're like, totally. okay, is this, cause that's still your lunch. You yeah. still had the pool right there. That's not a mm-hmm. lie, but this mm-hmm. is like, oh, ideally if someone gets one glimpse, this is the glimpse that I want them to get. Cause this, yes looks the most put together or is the most like whatever kind of branding you're trying to do mm-hmm. like oh no this is what i what i'm aspiring to and what everyone else yeah. will like more totally and i think that that's like something that can be really again like can be very beneficial like oh mm-hmm. like this looks really beautiful i would love to have you know this meal for my lunch tomorrow like it could inspire that kind of conversation or that elevation of like oh this is content that i want to be seeing so i I want, you know, that kind of lifestyle as well, but it can take a dark turn really quick when all of a sudden you're looking constantly for ways to make your life seem more appealing than it actually is, or than the reality of the mundane actually is, you know? So I think with that, like, I'm curious, like, do you think maybe we've always been doing this or do you think it's been since the dawn of social media? Do you think like, I don't know, as you said recently, like, photographers were kind of the main poll for Instagram when it first came Mm -hmm. out. Like I remember three of my friends from college were incredible photographers and they immediately, once they got on Instagram and started posting their photos, I mean, it was like 50,000 people within like 
I think maybe six months, you know, like pretty yeah, crazy right. stats, but it was because their photos were so beautiful and everybody wanted to look at their photos, you know, mm-hmm. but then the rise of the iPhone and the rise of like all these different editing softwares. And right. so now you have everybody playing photographer. And mm-hmm. is that the kind of same thing? Are we all then like just kind of perpetuating kind of bad art? I don't know. <laughs> you right. know? Well, and I think, cause I'm, I think, first of all, we're all just like grossly narcissistic. And I say 100. this as we're talking into <laughs> microphones on our own podcast. Like, yeah, we, we are examples A and B of like, oh, we should be able to talk into microphones, right? Like yep. we're all narcissistic. And I think social oh, yeah. media and just the ability to have platforms increases in accessibility also allows that to shine. I don't think that's necessarily a new character no. trait, but I do think it's shown a lot more. But then I think about it and I think of, artists and photographers of years gone by, they were not, like, they were adjusting. They were Mm -hmm. still creating art in this way. Mm -hmm. Like, art in a, like, as far as the aesthetic or um, the perfection associated with music and art and film and photography, like, it's never been a one take, oh, here's exactly what's going on, because it's like, that's not what you want to watch. Like, there's that escapism factor, right? And I think we can all agree on that and say, oh, yeah, but that's why you go to the movies. That's why you go to the theater. And it used to be such a big deal. Or that's why you have, you know, when Monet is painting his water lilies, it was not just like, like, there was thought behind that. And there was curation behind that, and you know, skill and strategy. But is it good to have that be everyone's day to day, you know, like where's the balance? Because as someone in media and as someone who likes a visually appealing photo, who like is very purposeful and like, no, I think this is pretty. So that's why I'm going to share it. Like, what does that fine line look like? And it's taken me a really long time and almost taken, like it's required a disconnect ultimately for it to be not stressful where I'm like, screw this. I think it's pretty. Here it is. You know, because mm-hmm. I do think if you hone in on that, like you're always going to be trying to like keep up with the Joneses in that way. Because yep. the internet is very fickle in what it decides it likes and dislikes. And I think if we saw half the trends now, five years ago, we'd be like, but there's no way. Yeah. Yet it still happened that way. Oh, totally. I think it's so fascinating because I do think like, I think it's it's become more of a conversation, you know, as there are, more, you know, more artists getting on in, on the app every day, you know, in younger generations and things like that. And I think, too, like coming up with this idea of what, you know, your own personal brand can be or your own personal aesthetic can be. And like, is there even any more aesthetics anyone can choose from? And I think we were having a conversation about this or you and a friend were having a conversation about this. But, you know, the blue check mark, you know. Yeah. Like, is that just something that everyone's going to have to give into? Because if they want to be recognized as legitimate as somebody who's offering a service or a product, you know, and there's this whole career bend now to mm-hmm. the social media aspect. Like, I'm curious where you think, because obviously we don't have any answers here, but oh yeah, we have no idea. I'm curious where you think kind of this career mindset with social media and the romanticizing your life like we'll go because so many people are trying to legitimize themselves and create their own personal brand. But I mean, the app originally started as just like a day-to-day photo blog, you know, like, yeah, it's so different in my brain from when I first got on the app. I don't know. Well, and I think it probably, so I'm in the editorial world and if you look at editors in the 1970s, shall we say, it was a very glamorous job. 
what I would give to have the car services they once had, you know, like Mm -hmm. it was very glamorous. There's also a lot, there's also fewer media outlets. So keep that in mind. It was a more exclusive club because we didn't have the com, and you had these big dinners and these car services and it was very not not prestigious as far as like money necessarily goes but you did have a claim because you were the free press right sure and now we have the dot com so there's a lot there's a lot more but it's still a very competitive field that being said you are a member of the press so you still have a certain um pull even if you don't personally your position in and of itself like you have companies that reach out to you that say hey we want you to talk about this even if you don't like put it in your platform or in your media maybe you'll share it on your own instagram and technically your credentials this whether and ultimately whether you're an expert or not your credentials for working at certain publications will make you an expert right mm-hmm. again it could be completely false. You could have lucked into it. I would like to say most of us haven't if you're at certain publications. But then again, like nepotism is still very real. Um, And so you do have a certain pull to give. And I think it's interesting because looking at editorial, I think if you are in politics, if you're a political reporter, you have to put your, you know, stake in the ground and stick to it. And probably be really insufferable. I'm sure they would all love to say they're not insufferable, but I would say like, no, in order for like your media to matter, and if you're going to be taking a very strong stance, probably associating with one of the two parties, then you have to do that. Whereas in other outlets, like I'm in the health space, it's like, okay, I'm active in the health space, more so on my stories probably than on my grid, if we're being specific, but I'm not... I'm not posting a ton of like obnoxious content. And I say obnoxious right. as in like, you can put whatever you want on your social media page. We are not here, but I'm not trying no. to be this huge social media personality because if you're going to, it has to work. Right. Yep. And I think some outlets probably three or four years ago at this point would have been like, Oh, well they have a lot of followers on Instagram. Cool. Perfect. That's, that's a big plus. We'll utilize that. Whereas now I think that's also a huge risk factor for a lot of platforms. Whereas, oh, you have a ton of followers, but does that mean you're really leaning into maybe a hot take we don't want to be associated with? Maybe you're too political. And that's, I mean, ultimately people will be like, no, you should be political. It's your platform, what have you. But from a business perspective, if you are not writing for a political outlet, like that is a risk. And it depends on the policies that that outlet is supporting, whether vocally or not, like behind closed yeah. doors. Um, and that is something to where even we have a medical review board that goes through every single piece of content at work. And it's something that I'm very grateful we have because it does give us credibility, not only online, but within readers, within Google. Yeah. A lot of health publications don't have that, um, which is yep. strange, but we do. And <laughs> when we're looking at medical review board members, I'm like, okay, if someone is talking about maybe like diet and, oh, come to find out they actually wrote a book about how to lose 10 pounds in two days, five years ago, guess who I don't want on my medical review board? Nope. That wacko. You know what I mean? Cause that's like, yep. it's extreme. It's loud. Maybe that's why they have all these followers. Maybe that's why they have this poll, but that's not the kind of poll we're after. And so I think platforms just because social media fame is getting to be so much greater are kind of looking at the risk factor associated. Um, Mm -hmm. And 
we don't even, uh, we're not even dipping our toes into cancel culture today, but I do think that's no. something that they also look at and whether, totally. whether are for you good reason or for not. Yeah. Like, Hmm, how big of a liability are you going to be? And brands have had to do this for years with the spokespeople they choose. Totally. Um, but now we that are, everyone yeah. is kind of a spokesperson in some way, I think jobs do have to look at it more likely. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I also think the whole, oh, well, you can't post a picture of you out getting drinks with a friend because your future employer is going to look you up on Facebook. I think that's an old fashioned. Oh, yeah, I agree. Like, I know when Facebook was first out and everyone was going to college, parents were warning us. And maybe yep. it was far more likely sure. that, that had an impact then. It does not anymore. No. Yeah. Well, you think about it, too. And there's just a younger amount like there's a younger essentially you know, hierarchy now than there was, you know, when people were just figuring out Facebook and things like that. Like, you know, our, our bosses now are, you know, maybe 10 to 15 years older than us, other than like, you know, before they were 40 years older than us, you know, as we were just entering the workforce and things like that. So I do think that definitely plays into it, but I think kind of, I I think it's all very fascinating because I do think Mm -hmm. like what you put on your social media, like does reflect you in some way, shape or form and does create either a liability if brands want to work with you or creates more of a kind of like safety net for some brands to work with you. Mm -hmm. Um, But I am kind of like then curious about, okay, so like if we're living and breathing so much content on the internet, and we're constantly like watching all these um, stories about people in these faraway places or like I watch uh, there's one gal that I follow now and like I truly adore her content because it is beautiful. I mean, the right. amount of like production value that she puts into each five second reel that she does. I'm just like, mm-hmm. who are you that you one have yeah. the budget to do this Two that you think of you just get to do all these things and like live in all these castles and wear these fun, pretty dress, you know, like she just yeah. like the, she reminds me of like a, a bell, like a mm-hmm. modern day, like beauty and the beast bell, you know, like just doing her thing, living her life, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like the production that has to go into these little clips is astronomical. And I'm like over here looking at it, like, wow, what an idyllic, perfect life, you know? And so then like, what becomes my reality then? And like, are right. we then living our reality through social media? Is that kind of like what we look to as what our reality should reflect? Is just the mm-hmm. kind of elevated pictures on social media? Is that maybe why virtual reality might become much more appealing? You know, mm-hmm. there was a well, it's um, kind of the fact. Yeah. Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Keep going. I was, I think, I think I know where you're going with this, which I'm very excited about, but it's kind of the fact of like, okay, so you used to go to the movies for escapism and now you have the escapism in the palm of your hand. We're all picking up our phone. What, like 600 and something times a day, whatever that statistic is. And then it's no longer, oh, I'm escaping. It's, this is every day. So then what do you escape to? And I, while we could talk about the mental health benefits and consequences of having an escapism mindset, I do think it's interesting because you're on kind of that high adrenaline escapism route, but all the time. And that's why people watch YouTube instead of TV. And they're listening to strangers talk and not to say that that's a worse or a better form of entertainment to each their own. It is available to them, but it is interesting how that escapism factor has almost gone away. Yes. No, absolutely. It's almost like the escapism factor is not why people are gravitating towards Mm -hmm. the internet anymore, you know? And I think we talked about this, even we touched on it in our rest episode. It's like, is resting really sitting on the couch and watching, binge watching a show to escape what you're doing right now? Or is it just kind of laziness because you don't know how to truly rest, you know? And is it actually like, 
a form of just like not really being able to engage in the activity of rest, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think, I think it's all very, again, as you said, like very interesting. And there is like a lot of those kinds of push and pulls that were now trying to figure out, like we have 600 times touches on our phone a day. Like that's absurd. And also I believe totally accurate, you know? And I think too, for like younger generations. So like we grew up in kind of, as this was like a big experiment, you know, like things were coming out as we were like, I remember when Snapchat was maybe going under and I deleted my Snapchat and it was the best thing in the world for me. And they didn't go under, but I did not renew my Snapchat because I was like, Mm -hmm. listen up. I do not care. Um, and I don't want another app on my phone that I have to be accountable to or something, you know, and I was trying to do some research on this. Um, I don't think this article is very, it's more of an opinion piece rather than an article, but, um, we'll link it in the show notes, but, um, I read this interesting kind of quote here and I'm just going to read it out loud, but this is from the polismedia.co.uk. I don't know why I always trust UK sites over U.S. Sites. Same though. Me too. Right. I'm like, I would go to the BBC. I work for a U.S. For site and I'm like, news. oh, the BBC. Good job. <laughs> Good job, BBC. Well done. Um, but so what it says here is, uh, and this is talking about romanticizing your life and social media. And mm-hmm. it says the significant gap between reality and social media is crystal clear to many yet social media users, particularly the younger generation. So people like Gen Z who have just grown up with this at their fingertips um, mm-hmm. are struggling to see the disconnection. Apps like TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook have crept closer and closer to becoming a better version of reality, and in that, a tool for comparison of attractiveness, social life, and productivity. This is where romanticism becomes dangerous. While romanticizing other people's lives you can lead you to try and improve or better present your own life. A little bit of cheekiness mm-hmm. there. We love the the Brits. Um, to try and improve or better present your own life, romanticizing your own life can lead you disillusioned with and even afraid of the mundane. And I think that last little bit is so fascinating to me, like being afraid of the mundane, you know, and that disconnection, you know, are we going to have a problem disconnecting like what actual reality is because we're so used to seeing one thing presented to us? Mm -hmm. And is that fear of the mundane going to kind of cripple us in real life, you know, when we maybe put our phone to charge and are suddenly not left with anything else to do? What is that? where does that leave us? You know, what things are we doing? What mundane things are we left with? Right. I don't know. I don't know either. It's very <laughs> fascinating though. And I it think really it is. And it's just, it's also, because here's the deal. Like we both, I would say I like Instagram mm-hmm. most and that's someone, and that comes from someone Pick who like team. has her camera on her. <laughs> yeah. Right. I am team Instagram strongly. Um, mm-hmm. And I was talking with a friend of the pod and we were just discussing, you know, is TikTok going to get banned? Is TikTok not going to get mm-hmm. banned? Um, and I think we were, we were co-working with a friend of the pod, Bailey, and Love she her. brought it up. And this other friend is a photographer who does beautiful, beautiful work. We will make sure to link her in the show notes as well. Yes, And we she her. and I, who are both, you know, in media, but differently, we're discussing, okay, how does this work? And she made the very honest statement of honestly I kind of hope TikTok does get banned because then I don't have to think about it anymore and Mm -hmm. Bailey said what do you mean that's how aren't you supposed to be gaining clients that way or aren't you monetizing and she said honestly it doesn't matter it doesn't matter if it's an art form because everyone's on there and then if everyone's special nobody is Mm -hmm. and that means of course if I'm in this field and it's available to me I have to play the game yeah but if it's taken away 
great. Then I don't have an option to play the game and I don't want to play the game. And I completely agreed with her on that stance of, no, I get it. And I'm so, I mean, as someone who's had side projects and I mean this, we would love it if we took off on Instagram or TikTok for the podcast growth. It'd be great for us. But at the same time, like, oh, it's one more thing to think about. I also, I work 40 to 60 hours a week in content. Then I'm trying to make different content. And yes, my brain does work like that. But oh, I'd be definitely okay if TikTok went away and I wouldn't have to think about it. But what I told her is, here's the deal. Content that I've grown so much from or progressed from, I guess is the better way to say it, from years ago, days gone by that, you know, you look at like counts and you look at how algorithms have changed. Yeah. things that no longer show where I am now and the much better work that I've done, whether in photography or poetry or like whatever I share online or just general like art form. And it's so, it used to be so much more um, viewed or liked or received attention for. And it's something where I'm like, but at the same time, many artists are still are growing, but still fighting this algorithmically, which is very frustrating. And ultimately what it took, and I'm sure you can speak on this as well or share where you're at with that is me being like, it really doesn't matter. I'm not trying to like, this is simply for my own mm-hmm. viewing pleasure at this point. And I'm going to yeah. post what I want to post. I'm going to do what I want to do. It is different when you have an outlet that you're trying to brand, like I mean, yeah. the podcast ultimately, like that's yeah. when it kind of, you know, um, rubber hits the road. But that's kind of where I was like, no, but now I'm not stressed about it because right. it's like, we're all like, are we all going to chase this machine for the rest of our lives? Right. Like how long or at what point do I stop doing that? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think you're totally right. Like there, I mean, there are aspects of branding that I do think TikTok and um, Instagram really do benefit, you know, like they're, they can really benefit a brand, but at the same time, like at what cost, I think is kind of maybe what we're asking. Like, are we enjoying it still if we're trying so hard to fit into a brand or I or have something that people identify with? And I think I think you and I have both talked about this too. Like TikTok has been a big experiment for the two of us. And Hold it on. has been you cut you cut out. Oh. I think you gotta start that phrase over again. Oh, that's okay. Like cut out and then for like too long to come back from. Oh, okay. When did you last hear me? Um, it was right before, like right after you started this thought. Okay. Okay. Um, so what I thought, (laughs) it was a good thought, you know, (laughs) we had a bit of a technical issue, but what I was hoping to express was the fact that TikTok has been kind of this big experiment for both you and I. Mm -hmm. And I think that it's allowed us to have a little bit of fun with it and like kind of almost like the old Instagram days, you know, where you could kind of mess around and be like, oh, what is this filter thing? I'm going to do it. Or, Mm -hmm. oh, what is this thing? And you're not really doing it for the likes. You're just kind of doing it to like figure it out, you know? And I think that TikTok has kind of become that for me, at least, where it's a non-branding moment. It's like, yes, I have a TikTok. Do I care that much about it? No. But on Instagram, I'm kind of almost in too deep with myself a bit where I'm like, okay, this Mm -hmm. is such a curated opportunity for me. And as somebody who is freelance and who has to have that as kind of like a portfolio of sorts, even though like I do crack myself up sometimes on my stories with how ridiculous they are, but on the actual feed, I do have to be a little bit more intentional, you know? Right. So I do think there's kind of that push and pull there that we're both just trying to figure out because again, social media is probably not going away, but we're still just trying to figure out how to swim in it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Honestly. And I think, which 
I think this is a good way to wrap it up because yeah. we could go back and forth with the philosophical questioning totally. of our time and people will be discussing this. And we would talk about like chat GPT and boom, boom, boom. And are we oh, all going to go meta and virtual reality? And it's a whole, it's honestly a terrifying, terrifying future that I'm looking it at. It really is. But the basic idea of romanticizing your life or this main character energy we're not trying to villainize that in its no. entirety. We're villainizing it because, well, we're villainizing it online because that we do believe can be detrimental to your mental yes. health and well-being. Yes. But as far as like in your day-to-day, the offline romanticization of your own life can actually be a very confidence-building, empowering um just characterization of who you are. And so Devin, what I want to know from you to wrap this up are what are some things that you notice you do or maybe you intentionally do that give you that kind of main character boost offline where it's just you, it's your day-to-day, you're walking down the street. What does that look like for you? Ooh, okay, okay. Um, Off the top of my head, I, I I wouldn't say like, by any means I'm a fashionista, but I do think I have a very particular like fashion or or style. And most of it is curated by Madewell. Thank you so much um, for really believing in me for this moment. Um, But I think that's something, something that gives me a little bit of confidence is when I feel confident enough to wear like maybe a bolder shoe or something that Mm -hmm. is a little bit more on trend. I tend to be a little bit more, I try to be more on trend with shoes. I'm branching out in that way, but with my style, I tend to be a little more classic and like evergreen um, Mm -hmm. with a couple of little items here and there maybe they're rented maybe they're something I thrifted something that's kind of spicy and fun but I do think that like having fun shoes does give me a lot of confidence and like a little bit of pep in my step you know um I also think too like when I can honestly just go without makeup for the day it feels very confidence boosting I don't know why but I'm just like if I feel if I wake up and feel like I like my face as is it's like a huge motivator I'm like I feel confident I feel like that beachy glow you know that natural beauty like that is a main character energy for me you know she didn't wear makeup today good for her (laughs) what I love to do is like because I will put skincare on and then if Mm. I just have a lip color and that's the only makeup I have for the day yes I really, I especially in the summertime when my skin is a little more glowy, uh, thanks yeah. to some good old vitamin D. Yes. Um, I really do enjoy just skincare and then a lip, but that being the only That's makeup. Excellent. I also noticed in my very, very sweaty hot yoga class this afternoon, mm-hmm. I am pretty intentional. Like I do wear my hoops during my workout and my workouts generally mm-hmm. are a hot yoga class, a rowing class, or a kickboxing class. And I just feel very, I don't know why I feel very feminine and strong when I have hoops in, yes. but I'm also particularly kickboxing if I'm like hitting a punching bag, <laughs> but during yoga or rowing as well, I'm like, okay, here we go. This is, we're doing this for me to better me and, and I enjoy it. Like that yes. is the epitome I think of romanticizing my life and I feel good. My endorphins are flowing. Yeah. Um, uh, yes. I do tend, I do tend to do that. And then just because I'm spoiled and I live in New York city, when given the opportunity, I will walk from my office, which is in the financial district of Manhattan across mm. the Brooklyn bridge, um, to commute home. Cause I live in park slope. So it's about an hour walk from door to door, but if I'm able to take the bridge home and just enjoy that, it is, it's a beautiful thing. <laughs> oh, I love that. That's such a flex. I love it. You're like, yeah, I'm walking home across the Brooklyn Bridge, NBD. It's fine. 
Yeah, right. And yes, this I just very did. casual evening. <laughs> very casual evening for me. It's cool. You know what? Maybe you should do next time. I don't know if you've done this before, but maybe like a sparkling hmm. water of some kind, just to like oh, that's refresh a good idea. you as you go. Could be fun. Absolutely. I don't know. Hot girl. I also, walk. I love a lunch. I love a lunch wine. If you have a day mm, off, yes. and you can do a lunch wine. I think that's very main character the epitome. energy. Yes, the epitome of luxury and also a very French move of you. So well done. Oh, right. I feel, yeah, I'm very Parisian in it. But ultimately, even though we just told you all to get off social media more, we will share more in real life main character energy tips via Instagram because that's how we talk to you. Because it's fun and we still do that and y'all still like it. So we're going to keep doing it. Um, but you can find us at Well Said Red Pod on Instagram and on TikTok. And you can also send us an email if you like what we're talking about. If you have thoughts about what we're talking about, we would love to hear about it. If you have a topic you would like to hear from us about, please email us at wellsaidred at gmail.com. Actually, is it wellsaidredpod at gmail.com? I think it is. I think so. Anyways, it'll be in the show notes, the accurate thing. Um, But (laughs) we are so excited to chat more about this as we continue on in our summer series. (laughs) Absolutely. Bye, guys. Bye.